Ho, 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 it's showtime. Oh, man, oh, man. We are so super pumped. Today, we got Luke Tenney coming on the show. Yes. Talk about anything and everything that he is involved with. Yes, this one's going to be a great one for the up-and-comers because he's just an up-and-comer himself. Uh, and, and I mean, he just lays down the advice about the approach that you should take to make it, man. It's going to be a good one. I agree. I agree. Well, that's later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, it is episode 140 this week. Woo! I know, I know. 40! Oh my goodness. Hope Man. everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving, little family time. I know we did. Yes. Still having some turkey for dinner. That's so. right. Still stuffed. Yeah. Man. Oh my gosh. Exactly. You know what I'm looking forward to, though? Some pumpkin pie, because I didn't get any yesterday. Yeah. Like, I, I gotta have some pumpkin Hell pie. Hell yeah, man. man. Definitely, definitely. Well, you guys know your host with the most, myself, Jay fantastic and the one and only mouse what's up guys we got a lot of stuff to talk about we definitely do i mean if you have not watched the latest episode of the mandalorian you finally figure out the child's name that's right oh man and it's not baby yoda it's not (laughs) by no surprise favreau's like fucking quit that's right oh man but super excited about that we're talking about some stock stuff going on with disney we're talking about more layoffs going on with disney uh warner brothers doing some things and i mean just a whole bunch of stuff that we got coming to you live on podcast platforms yes, and a really <laughs> interesting top five yeah i mean wait until you hear what the category is this time y'all y'all are gonna be like whoa What's so up? yeah Ooh. it's gonna be deep it is it really is and of course before we get this thing started be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com <laughs> it is black friday guys so you guys know that there is some great deals going on on our website. Yes. 25% off anything and everything that is available on our website right now. And the holiday merchandise is up. And we all know that you guys want to be wearing your Crazy Ant Media holiday merchandise you while you're opening presents. Have you seen those pajamas? Dude. I mean, come on, man. So epic. If you, yo, the whole family can rock a set of pajamas. Yeah, I mean, that'll be awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. Is it pajamas, pajamas? Pajamas, pajamas. I said pajamas and pajamas. I don't even. Yeah, you don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. Pecans, but pecans, get them anyway. Like, That's right. That's right. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> but uh, let's start off with Disney. Let's start mm. off with Disney. Things have definitely cooled down with the stock market with Disney. I mean, it makes complete sense. Uh, dipping about 1.6% today to close the trading se- session at $149.08. Yes. Uh, even That's a slight retreat but the stock has fully recovered uh to the pre-covid levels yes Uh, it has it's a crazy comeback it is a crazy comeback And, and and then now here's the crazy thing though like it is back to its level before covid hit right and but it's all kind of changed because it's not the parks it's not the films it's not putting out billion dollar films this year like it did last year whatever it's Disney Plus. Yeah, it's all, all the fucking streaming. The, yeah, the recovery is all thanks to Disney Plus, really. Um, so it's a, I mean, it's an extraordinary comeback, yeah. right? Like, I mean, that's that's crazy. And it makes sense because everybody knows. Every we've been talking about all the crazy stuff that Disney Plus has been putting on their streaming service. I mean, first Hamilton, that was huge, huge success. Yes, and then Mulan's about to be free uh, in a 
next week, I think. Yep. Next week, it's yep. going to be free. And, of course, a couple other things coming on there. Soul, Christmas Day, and, I mean, mm. yeah, a lot of good stuff on Disney Plus that has definitely helped the start stock market I'm rise. I'm really looking forward to Pixar's Soul. But unfortunately, it's going to get handed its ass because Wonder Woman from Warner Media is going to open on the same day. It's going to be available on the same day. I feel like everybody's going to watch that first and then Pixar Soul, but you know. Well, I mean, not the Roku subscribers because they don't have it yet. But, no, uh, damn. Yeah, I mean, damn. I'm just saying. But I mean, it's hard to even compare these two when they're on the streaming service because you can't, I mean, saying get handed its ass, but also at the same time, like nobody really releases the streaming numbers. So I, it it's up all up in the air, but I'm super That's excited because there's a lot of good content on both streaming platforms and it's a great uh, competition between each other. It's true. Now, here's the tricky part about that. We just told you that they're back to their pre-COVID levels, right? Like, the stock is okay. It's back up. They're doing all right. So why are they still laying off 32,000 employees? Yeah. That's still happening, guys, by March of next year. So they're going to start in January, and it'll be finished by March. We should say, before you panic about, like, that's counting the 28,000 we told you about on last week's show. It's 32,000 total that they're going to be laying off almost all from the parks yeah well so, it's still scary it's still really scary because like we said last time we told talked to you guys about this it was twenty eight thousand, and the numbers keep getting higher and higher and higher and rising so that's more people out of jobs so it, it really sucks so we'll see what happens but hopefully we can get this fucking vaccine out there so we can kick things into gear so things can kind of get back to normal right i mean the only division making money is disney plus Literally. So, i mean you can't bring everybody there may, i mean unfortunately for the park people exactly you know. exactly well, I mean, speaking of Disney Plus, the yes. hot ticket right now is The Mandalorian. Yes. And if you guys have seen Ahsoka Tano, she finally made her debut. And of course, everybody knows we talked about her, Rosario Dawson. She played the character perfectly. I mean, she was so damn good. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I, just the makeup, first of all, phenomenal. If you don't didn't know it was Rosario Dawson, you would have had no clue. Yeah. Except if you're a huge Rosario Dawson fan, yes. um, you would have known it's her because she still had her little, like, you know, nuances that she does. Yeah. But, I mean, it was brilliant. But that's not the biggest story. Yeah. That's not the biggest. It was a huge episode, y'all. We teased it, top of the show. Yeah. It's no longer the child. It's no longer baby Yoda. It's Grogu. Grogu. Yeah. Yeah. And Maybe he Grogu. likes it. Yeah. He likes the name because whenever you say Grogu, he's like, yeah. you know, so apparently he can communicate telepathically. Apparently he, Mando is his daddy because he didn't want to leave his daddy. We're spoiling everything for you, but, um, oh man. I know. It this was episode. A, it was really good. This season by far, I mean, the two episodes with the other Mandalorian kind, the other Mandalorian clan, and of course this latest one that dropped today. I mean, they have by far been my favorite episodes throughout the whole entire series. Agreed. Like, it's been so fucking badass. And our man Dave Filio, it only made sense that he would direct it because yeah. he was in charge and the creator basically of the Clone Wars. So yeah. if you're going to bring a character from the Clone Wars, he should be the director of the show, right? I Completely mean, agree. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, if you guys have not watched it yet after the show, be sure to go watch Mandalorian. Holy fucking shit. Yes. Oh, man. But uh, Taylor Swift is also doing some really cool things with Disney and Disney+. Plus. Uh, she just released uh, Folklore, which is a 
the Long Pond Studio Sessions premiered exclusively on Disney Plus this week. And this is a documentary that features Swift performing uh, the album 17 songs. And it also, like, gives the little story, the backstory behind each song and the secrets behind the tunes. As if you needed another reason to get Disney Plus. Right. T-Swift. I mean, come on, y'all. Look, if this is anything like Bruce Springsteen's Letter to You documentary that Apple did, which is very similar. It was him singing all the songs and then the story behind the songs it's gonna be epic yeah i really you know we've talked about this on the other shows about how these music documentaries are making this huge surge right now in the streamers if you haven't caught the beastie boys one man oh my gosh so good yeah um so i'm excited for this yeah and i mean it's becoming a thing though with streaming services if you do not have a taylor swift documentary then you're not doing like netflix has one disney has one hbo max needs to get one like it's hilarious it's t-swift yeah i mean who doesn't love t-swift exactly just saying you know, exactly. uh, I was happy about this one. Were you? Yeah, because everybody was dogging this thing. Nobody yeah. was like, oh, oh. And I will concede, unlike Trump, I will, I concede. will concede that it probably saw this boost in late numbers because of the surprise ending of the uh, of the premiere episode. Yeah. I'll concede that. But even still, it was the highest in 18 to 49 since like 2019. Yeah, wow. So I'm talking about Big Sky. Did y'all catch that? The premiere of David Kelly's uh, Big Sky with the, like like uh, Ryan Philippine <laughs> dead. Yeah. What? Spoilers. What? Yeah, spoilers <laughs> if you didn't see it, but it was everywhere, so you had to have seen it. Anyway, it's live plus same day and live plus three day. 7.2 million viewers and a 1.2 share in 18 to 49 after three days. Like I said, that's the biggest in the 18 and 49 since 2019 for any ABC drama. Yeah. So it it... You know, it's live plus numbers did extremely well. We'll see if that carries, yeah. you know, without the shock ending that everybody probably tuned in to check. But, um, you know, I liked it. I personally liked it. Um, so I'm hoping it kind of has some legs like For Life did. I think For Life caught an audience. I think Big Sky can catch an audience too. But I could be totally wrong. I don't know. Yeah, you know exactly. It might be the turkey talking. I don't know, but we'll see. No, no. If you haven't <laughs> sketched it out yet, uh, checked it out yet, it's on Hulu, so check it out. It is. Oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. And speaking of Hulu, they also just struck an eight-figure deal for U.S. distribution rights for Joe Carnahan's directed action sci-fi movie, Boss Level. Yes. And this one is starring Frank Grillo, who is highly underrated, in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, Have you seen his stint on uh, Billions this season? I have not. Oh, my God. So good. And you guys know him from the MCU's Crossbones. Yeah. Crossbones is the bad guy from Captain America. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, joining him is Naomi Watts, Mel Mm. Gibson, uh, Ken Ken Jeong, uh, Michelle Yeoh, and uh, Selena Lowe. This is the completed film, and it will debut on Hulu in 2021, and it follows a former Special Forces agent who will be played by a gorilla, who is tapped in uh, top of the loop consistently, repeats uh, the day of his murder. Oh, Mm. shit. So So it's like Groundhog Day, but bad. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) You know, that's what happens in Hell on Lucifer. Mm. You repeat your worst thing. I mean, it's also kind of like Happy Death Day. It is. That was awful. Mm. So... Mm. But yeah. it's Frank Grillo. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, come on. 
Yeah, it's fine. It's we'll fine. See. We'll see how it goes. Oh, uh, and Naomi plays his wife, so that's cool. Yeah, I definitely be know. checking it out. I mean, anything he's in, definitely. Uh, Warner Media heading over there. There's been some a very weird, very strange speculation behind uh, Josh Whedon's yes. leaving his, the drama series The Nevers. Um, yeah, everybody knows it was set, he was set to co-write and direct the science fiction drama about the gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. Mm. Uh, the drama, which was handed a straight-to-series order by a premium cable network in the summer of 2018, is still set to air of tw- uh, summer 2021. The reason behind his exit is still a little weird. Still it is. a little weird. He's saying some stuff, HBO and Warner Media is saying some other. Yeah, Warner Media says they parted ways with him. Yeah. That was their exact quote. We have parted ways with Joss Whedon. We remain excited about the future of the Nevers and look forward to its premiere. Whedon, though, Whedon said that's not how it went down. Whedon says he quit. He walked away. He's trying to say that after seeing the level of commitment that it would require during this pandemic time, it was just too overwhelming for him because he wanted to focus on his family and more time personal and everything. So he decided to walk away. Now, <laughs> like, you know that he is currently under investigation by yeah. Warner Media for the Justice League incident and Ray Fisher. Yeah, exactly. And so, needless to say, Fisher Slow says down. he was ousted because exactly. of the investigation. I'm kind of leaning that way, too. I think that, yeah. you know, Whedon's just probably trying to clean up some PR, you know, friendly PR. I think he was parted with Yeah, us, probably so. needs to take a little time off, like figure some shit out and then go back to something yeah, else. Yeah, and the, I, this would have been his first TV show since uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., since he co-created Agents of oh, S.H.I.E.L.D., wow. but so it's been a stretch, but it ain't happening, so. Yeah, didn't Ooh. even realize. Uh, HBO has made the decision to drop the final five episodes of its drama industry uh, all at once on HBO Max, and that is starting today, guys, yes. so you can go and watch it now. Viewers will be able to stream the whole eight episodes of the first season while the linear shows uh showings continue on a weekly basis Mm. so i think this is pretty cool hbo max does normally release the weekly basis like we just said but yeah i'm super pumped about this because apparently this show is getting lots of traction and i've seen like my twitter feed has been like talking about this thing like crazy so So, i I need to watch it me too and now we'll have that i mean to be able to catch up all at once to the weekly stuff will be great yeah i mean that's fantastic HBO Max. Doing some good things. Man, Titans. Doing some good things. I mean, y'all know. Y'all know. I got love for Titans. It was my very first comic book I ever bought. My very own first comic book that I bought. It was the very first series I collected. The New Teen Titans, where Starfire made her debut. Yeah. Marv Wolfman, George Perez created her. Corinder. You know, I mean, and now, if you guys have been watching... I know I'm super excited about this. I know you're super excited about yeah. it. Finally caught up. I'm so happy. Woo! I know. So there. Corey is finally getting the costume, y'all. Yes, Starfire is finally going to get a costume. Forget the fur coat. Forget yeah. all that weird shit. The pimp wig, all that. Forget that. She's finally getting the costume, and it looks epic. Did y'all see it? Titans officially released the first look. By the way, this is the first ever live action costume, you know, adaptation of the character so um it's very similar to the comic books in the sense that it's purple with the green uh tones it is not dental floss like the comic books 
Thank goodness. Y'all know Thank Corey goodness. is like barely covered up in yeah. that. You know, Dick might like that, Nightwing might like that, but viewers, no. Although it's HBO Max, they could have gone with identical. I don't know. <laughs> but it's more armor. They're definitely going to do the armor type throwdown between her and Blackfire. So, but I'm pumped about this. Did you like it? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I did. I did. I definitely did. And I mean, setting that up for Blackfire coming next season, I'm so super pumped yes. about how that all that's going to go down. And then plus, like we talked about on multiple shows before, Red Hood. Like uh, I mean, Jason Todd leaving at the end and going fucking somewhere else on his motor- motorcycle. That's it. So, so and we saw his costume, badass. Yeah. Uh, uh, supposedly, Nightwing got a little upgrade, so I'm hoping we see that. Yeah. And then all that's left is, are we gonna get Troya? Mm. Are we gonna get? Because we know Wonder Girl. Yeah. But Troya, because. Connor Leslie ain't leaving the show, so she must be coming back. Right. But it's I'm guessing Troya. If we get both those costume reveals. Be pretty bad. Badass. Although we probably won't get Troya because then it would blow whether she's coming back yeah, or not. So. Exactly. But at least Nightwing's upgrade. Come on. All right. Yeah. Just, definitely. Just, definitely. You know. Other things that are happening <laughs> in the Warner Media family TNT is developing a drama series titled Fire Season. Fire. About a group of strangers who are forced together in a real time escape from a deadly wildfire. So basically everybody in California. That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> like, I mean, like, definitely very relevant depending on like what time of year it is because every serious? fucking summer it seems like there's wildfires in uh malibu and fucking yeah wow wildfires. yeah that's like, right your indiana draw yeah, disappeared yeah. from pure mississippi right yeah, there yeah. wildfires yeah i know let's just not talk about it and move on <laughs> it, it uh, leaks every now and then man he's I like i mean you know, you know stay fucking i'm cultured okay he was in the I'm sticks cultured. in mississippi though yeah. like so you can't blame that like exactly. i mean it had to happen so. exactly uh this is by no surprise warner <laughs> brothers finally confirmed this week that danish actor mads mickelson yes. uh, has been cast as the dark wizard uh gelzert uh grinwald uh, replacing johnny depp who he played before in the and he's going to be in the third film of the fantastic beast uh, it's going to be the latest installment of the harry potter spinoff and it's currently in production at warner brothers uh studios says that uh it is still scheduled for july 15th of 2022 mm. so we shall see yeah we shall see that was like one of the worst kept secrets in hollywood yeah i mean after yeah like i mean it was but, like two days after fucking that shit went down yeah and after they parted ways yeah like but now it's official yeah it's like <laughs> so whatever like, they dude, were probably during the whole trial they were probably looking for somebody exactly else. exactly now this next one though i'm kind of excited about and kind of like yeah but Godzilla vs. Kong. You've been hearing about it for years, ever yeah. since Kong Skull Island and, Ge- and Godzilla. And you knew they were coming. You knew they were merging. You knew they were fighting. But now, guess where you're going to see it? HBO Max. HBO Max has secured the deal, blocked, punched, you know, moved <laughs> Netflix out of the way. Apparently, Netflix was going after they it were for like trying. $200 million yeah, dollar they were offer. They fucking trying. And like, HBO, stop. Yeah, <laughs> HBO Max had... We have the right to see where it goes because um, they have a good relationship with legendary they pictures. Do. And I and mean, they've provided 20% of the actual budget for the film. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's all streaming, guys. It's all <laughs> like, streaming. I mean, don't even think about theatrical release because no. it's literally all streaming. Yeah. I mean, it is the nature of the beast right now. I know a lot of people were looking forward to this movie, though. Yeah. Like, everybody wants to see King Kong and Godzilla fight. Oh, my gosh. So, now you can, unless I'm, you're a Roku I'm user. So, yeah, exactly. Hopefully by the end of the year. Though. Right? That's Seriously. what they keep saying. Yeah. Well, At least by, yeah, like, by Wonder Woman. So, I mean, If I crazy. have to watch Wonder Woman on my damn phone, 
I'm going to be pissed, yeah, okay? Get that shit done before <laughs> Wonder Woman. We've tried the computer hookup HDMI, and our Wi-Fi fucking sucks, okay? Okay? Like, we need it. We I need love it. my iPhone. It's great. It's beautiful HD. Beautiful. But I'm blind. And I want to see that shit like Patty Jenkins wants me to see that shit. Get that Roku done. Okay. All right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, going over to Viacom CBS, Gabrielle Union is getting into business with Showtime. Oh, oh. The actor and her, I'll have another productions banner, are developing a comedy series called New Money. And the mm. show uh, was brought to us by Union, by journalist uh, Jamel Hill and Kelly Carter. Mm. Uh, of Lodge Freeway Media, and it represents their company's first attempt into the scripted market, especially for a comedy series. Um, the series is centered around black women who has solidified their careers, achieved financial independence, and moved past their awkwardness and their money struggles of their 20s. Now, now, and <laughs> now they are firmly in their 30s and the show centers around the ladies that must deal with repercussions of their new money that brings uh, uh, in- new, money. new money, <laughs> including hangers on, uh, false friends and unwanted media attention, greedy relatives, and also trying to navigate the fucking crazy world of dating. Which does get more complicated when you have money. Yeah. Uh, just facts. I was confused by the hangers-on reference. Though. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. that means? I, I, I guess people that have, like, you've tried to distance yourself from. Yeah. People who you've kind of, like, you're not in my circle anymore, but mm. they're clinging. Kind of uh, like Trump to the White House. Okay. He's just hanging on. He's a hanger-on. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. That bastard. Yeah, that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm interested in this because, I mean, especially more women of color and black women yes. representation in a series like this. These This will give young black girls something to look up to when they're watching this show. Which Gabrielle Union has always kind of brought forward with that, right? And for a first attempt from this company to land Gabrielle, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. So, well done, well done. <laughs> One day at a time is canceled again. 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 Uh, we called this. We yeah. said, why are you doing it to begin with? Yeah. You shouldn't do it. Now, two cancellations should tell you what we told you way back. You shouldn't have done it. Yeah. But no. The producers say <laughs> they are stopping it around again for another streamer. That's so stupid. Even though the lead star, and we have this in the industry news, you're going to find out, she's already signed on to another show. Yeah. Stop. It's dumb. Stop. Like, it's gone. Netflix canceled it. Let it die. (laughs) When Pop cancels you, you it's just time to go. Okay? That's all I got. I know. It's fucking wild, man. Uh, German media giant uh, Bertelsmann. uh, You're German. You say that. Bertelsmann. Bertelsmann has set a (laughs) new deal with Viacom CBS to acquire. The good German, not that other German. Not the bad German. uh, To acquire the publishing unit of uh, Simon and Scholster uh, for <laughs> $2.17 billion cash. Yes. Damn. Now, this is how you recover from COVID. You sell your publishing unit right. for two point billion, you know, two plus billion dollars cash. Yeah. You know, oh, we're struggling for a little money. Sell the books. Well, especially these little studios. I mean, you know, I, Viacom CBS, which is about to be what Paramount Plus. I think that's what the name of it was. Yeah, uh, whatever yeah. the fuck. Uh, they're trying to figure shit out. They're trying to figure shit out. Um, obviously, CBS All Access isn't 
Disney Plus or no, isn't HBO no. Max. But I mean, to navigate in this crazy entertainment industry during COVID, like I can only imagine what you have to sell off. I mean, it's better to sell something off though than raise debt. Yeah. Right. Like to take in two billion without accumulating more debt. And uh, I mean. Viacom CBS, I mean, they've admitted it, though. They, they said that all this money, this $2 billion, is going right towards the streamer. Needs right to. towards, you know, the way, Paramount Plus, whatever the fuck they're going to call yeah. it. But, yeah, it's going right there. I mean, which, that's what they're all doing. So, yeah. I mean, you know. It makes sense, man. It makes sense. This uh, one doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. NBC Universal, Channing Tatum, Phil Lord, and... Chris Miller are teaming up once again, this time at Universal Pictures, to develop an untitled monster project described as a modern-day tongue-in-cheek thriller inspired by Universal's classic monster legacy with Tatum to set is set to star. Yeah. This didn't work with Cruz when he tried to do the Mummy reboot. The Mummy, yeah. Invisible Man was okay, but it wasn't like some massive, like, let's build the universe kind of at this. I don't know. Yeah. And what's this going to be? The werewolf? Yeah, right. Right? Like, I mean, what classic monster? Fucking Frankenstein? Like, yeah. We don't want to see that universe. Exactly. I mean, that's what we go to the theme park for. Universal, you know, that like, I don't know. It's just me. But Yeah, I understand. And especially with Tatum, he's trying to step more behind the camera, do more producing roles while acting in front of the camera. So, I mean, you're going to miss sometimes. So yeah. you can't always hit. So, I mean, let's see. Let's see how it goes. We haven't even seen it yet. But, I mean, a little skeptical, might say. A little skeptical. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like we always talk about. You're never going to get another mcu you're not stop trying to build universes just make good movies exactly that's, that's all i'm just saying. saying this one makes even less sense though yeah did you like finding forrester with sean connery sean connery well they're making a tv show of it yeah what i know what and 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 sean connery's character has been changed to like a woman <laughs> yeah. a lesbian woman all right what what? Like, like, I don't even get it. Okay, it's based on the 2000 movie. It's going to examine the cost and of success and the price of redemption through two unique bonds between two gifted black writers. A homeless 16-year-old orphan who leverages his basketball skills to hustle himself into a good school. That's very much the same as the film. Yeah. Then we, we t- totally get rid of Sean Connery, and he's going to be helped out... By a reclusive lesbian author whose career was ruined by a public scandal. See, this is how they try to make it okay. Yeah. Everything is very diverse. Everything is trying to be very inclusive. And it's also the time of reboots. So they're like, let's do this same thing. But also try to change it a little bit so right. we're very inclusive. Yeah. Like, yeah. how about you just do something that's inclusive and new? Like, exactly. That's my thing. Like, I have no problem with, like, the story. But why fucking reboot it when there's so many good storytellers out there that haven't gotten a chance to tell their story? And, and we talk about this all the time. It's like, don't take a character and change it to yeah. something that it wasn't meant to be just to be inclusive. Yeah. Just like you said, I agree with you a thousand percent. Just write new content that are those characters that, you know, that shows inclusivity and shows equality. Don't change somebody else's work to fit your, you know, push to be inclusive. That just doesn't make sense to me. I agree. Uh, Yeah, we'll see how that one turns out, man. It'll be interesting. Uh, In the latest change of the U.S. theatrical release calendar, we know we've been talking about a lot of them. Uh, (laughs) The latest is Universal Pictures' uh, all-female spy thriller, 
the 355 or mm. 355. That's right. Whichever. Uh, from January 15th to next year, January 14th of 2022. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, but it might not even happen anyway. I mean, Universal has been selling a lot of its shit to mm-hmm. Amazon, so I would not be surprised in the least if this thing also shows up on Amazon. Universal did win a bidding war for the U.S. rights of this film, and it does have an awesome cast. Yeah. Jessica Chastain, I mean, Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger, like, so many freaking cool people attached to this thing, and it's like, it's an American-German, British Colombian secret agents who all team up to retrieve a missing weapon in a pursuit that takes them from Paris to Morocco to Shanghai. So, I mean, it's filmed everywhere. It probably looks beautiful, but I mean, like we keep talking about, it's all streaming things. Yeah. Theaters and theatrical releases are so inconsistent right now. And I mean, I know I'm the young guy and I'm okay with streaming, but I mean, it is an experience and I do wish that you could go see a lot of movies and theatrical releases. But yeah, I mean, right now I feel like all the movies that all these studios have in a can, they should just plan to release them on their streamer. Yeah. Yeah, because like, that it just that's where it's all going. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it every single week, but you're right. That's where it's all going. And you, you know, this one makes total sense because I'm sure The Rock grew up in Australia. Yeah, no, right. Like, no, no, he didn't. Like, what the fuck? But you go where you can shoot. I was and very that's confused it. by this one too. Yeah. Like, Young Rock. We told you about that a couple of weeks ago on the show. You know, the upcoming series on NBC that's inspired by his life, right? Well, it's begun production. It's shooting. It, it, it's rolling out some episodes and everything. In Queensland, Australia. Yeah. Like, what? Because what? apparently you can shoot there because, you know, with COVID now. Yeah. I mean, you're okay. So you go where you can shoot. Yeah. Like, and so and I mean, chills. they could kind of dummy that as Hawaii because, I mean, he spent a lot of his life there. And it, I they mean, do have beaches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they do have beaches. I'm sure they got some hula hulas. Yes. Like, I mean, you know. But I'm super excited about this. Like, I just feel like it's going to be so badass. And, I mean, plus, we were just talking about it uh, at the beginning of the show. Thanksgiving was yesterday. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yes. The Rock was a fucking float. I wonder if he just paid for that. I want to be a float. I, like, right? Right? I don't know because he seemed surprised that it was in there like yeah. oh wow this is awesome but i feel like somebody knew because you have somebody to license his likeness yeah. and stuff so you know but good good you you play surprised it's you know it's all good it was a badass float though it was. if you're a fan of the rock it you know it was the black turtleneck with the gold yes. chain rock it, with with the the high top <laughs> it had the like, fanny pack too it, did. it had the fanny, fanny pack pa- only the rock could pull off a fanny pack and a high top yeah. like i don't i you know at like, the same time yeah at the same time oh my goodness <laughs> universal has all also acquired the foreign distribution rights for the upcoming film uh, Peggy Joe. Yes. Now this one is uh, depicted as a true crime love story, and it stars one of our favorites, Lily James. Yes. And it's loosely based on a true story uh, account of Peggy Joe Dallas, who is played by Lily James, billed as the real-life Texan Bonnie without the Clyde, uh, who takes to robbing banks while posing as a man, which definitely is probably really good when it's probably that time period and everybody thinks men are doing everything. Yeah, I I remember this. It's it's, it's an extremely interesting story, and while it is Lily James and it is, you know, Texas, and and we don't know where it's going to be filmed. No idea. (laughs) No idea. It might be Australia. I don't know. Yeah, seriously. Somebody is going to film this and it's going to be 
in Texas. Like, in yeah. Texas. <laughs> Anywhere that has a desert, in yeah. Texas. That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You called this one. I did. You totally called this one. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank I don't you. know Take how I bow. feel about this, Take though. a bow. I know. It's going to be interesting to see, like, after the new year comes. Because, I, like we said uh, a couple shows ago, uh, the last show with Alex Trebek as the host of Jeopardy will be Christmas Day. Yeah, and yesterday then, he was so sad because he had a Thanksgiving message yeah. that he had pre-recorded. Oh, mm. so sad. Mm. Yeah. I don't want to go back and watch it because it will make me cry. It, 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 I did tear. Yeah. It's so bad. Uh, but... We did, like I said, call this one. New episodes are set to record, and it is going to be Ken Jennings hosting them. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I, like I said, depending on how he does, if he has that TV charisma, because, I mean, technically he was just a normal guy before Jeopardy, so right. it's going to be interesting. To, I mean, but he did, he was about to have that other show, so it's going to be interesting. It's true. So, I, yeah. And I, I mean, it's he's gonna on be a game show, network show, yeah. but I mean, if you watch him on that, he's no Trebek. No. And no disrespect to Ken Jennings. No. But he's he's no Trebek. Nobody can ever fill that void. Yeah. I guess they're going to do like a round table like audition though cuz I mean from what I understand he's the first in a series of guest hosts. Mm, okay. So I who I don't know who the other ones are going to be. He'll be the first one for a series of episodes and then I guess like Kelly does when she's trying to find a new host on Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. yeah. I guess they're just going to go through some and see who works and who doesn't. Yeah. But newsflash if it's not Trebek it's not going to work. Yeah. I'm just saying. I think a very entertaining host for Jeopardy would definitely be Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. I think he would be very entertaining. I was rooting for him with Kelly. Yeah. I thought they were always great together, yeah. but you know, what do I know? Yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, you know. And speaking of Neil Patrick Harris, he is set to play in, uh, set to play Nicolas Cage's talent agent in Lionsgate's action comedy, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yes. And guys, I mean, this thing has some amazing talent attached to this project. Already, Pedro Pascal, Tiffany Haddish, Sharon Hargan, and now... Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Now remember, this is that one where Nicolas Cage is playing himself. Yeah. And he's at like this big party or something, and some big terrorist event goes down or something like that, and he's got to rely on his being Nicolas Cage like, to save everybody. I'm so, so excited. Neil Patrick Harris as Nicolas Cage's agent. I mean, is he going to be Barney-esque? Because right. that would be, exactly. wait for it. Fabulous. Like, Fabulous. I mean, it's just, I don't awesome. know. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Exactly. High five. High yeah. five. You know. Hell yeah. Just, I, love, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be funny as shit. I like, know. I'm super pumped. Not a huge Nicolas Cage fan, but I mean, like, this cast is just amazing. Yes. So. Uh, Huge Neil Patrick Harris fan. Yes, yeah. definitely, definitely. Uh, going over to Netflix, this is fucking crazy. This is insane. Yes. Netflix has doubled its spending in the UK to one billion with a B yes. dollars this year, following the success of its British-made shows. Everybody knows The Crown, huge. The Witcher, huge, and Sex Education. Which I guess is pretty huge. Yep. Um, well, there are some huge things attached to it, if you don't show it. Uh, the UK <laughs> is uh, Netflix's uh, second biggest market outside of the US. So yes. that's, uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. The company has forged strong ties with independent production companies in the UK. I wish they would go back to that in the US, but apparently they're venturing elsewhere. Yeah, one of them, uh, Creator of the Crown. They just signed a huge deal with him. So yeah. he's going to be sticking around for a little while. We should say, though, since you did say that, they are spending some money in the U.S. Yes. Just not in California. No. 
But you guys know, we told you this, what, gosh, it's almost a, a year ago, ago, right? Almost a year ago that they, they took over a studio in uh, New Mexico um, and kind of, you know, now it's a Netflix studio or whatever. Well, it's not good enough. Apparently they want more. They're expanding that bad boy. So how much are they dropping? A billion dollars. It's crazy. Let's just drop a billion in the UK, a billion in New Mexico, whatever. Why not? They're already massively in debt. What's another two billion, right? Exactly. Um, But yeah, they're going to expand their ABQ studios, which is Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Uh, Yep. And uh, committing a billion dollars. The expansion is going to be 300 acres next to the existing studio's already giant lot, um, that which is crazy. Um, and when it's done, it will make ABQ Studios one of the largest high-tech sustainable film production facilities yeah. in North America. It's just so crazy. Like, Adding 300 acres. One acre is a lot. Like 300 acres? Holy shit. I mean, how many sound stages are you building on that? Seriously. Like, you talk about like building a city landscape or something. Like what? I, I don't – I mean yeah. – But if you're going to spend money, Netflix, just – Spend it. Exactly. Just spend it. Exactly. And I mean, I wish they would start just saying series are limited series because that would make everybody a little less mad. At it you. would. Just saying. Um, the Queen's Gambit, which is one of their huge limited series right now, has been watched by nearly 600, not 600, 62 <laughs> million households, making it Netflix's biggest scripted limited series to date wow and netflix noted that the seven episode show is ranked in its top 10 in 92 countries and number one in 63 countries including the uk which is huge for them oh wait then are they gonna drop another 250 million you know oh wait we forgot queen's gambit let's throw more money (laughs) Uh, argentina israel and south africa so that's super exciting this is another one that I'm going to start watching after Game of Thrones. Yes. Because it looks really good. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I think it's going to be, yeah. And we may or may not have some peeps coming from that show. We're pretty excited about. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Oh, man. Mm. Oh, Megan Surrey. Yes. Megan Surrey, who was supposed to be on a spinoff show from Blackish, but it didn't happen. Well, good news for her. She's going to be okay. She's joined the cast of Netflix's comedy, Never Have I Ever. And she's going to play a bad person to the main star. Ooh. Ooh. The actress is set to play Anissa, a new Indian student at Sherman Oaks High, whose confidence and radiance will pose an immediate threat. Not a delayed threat, an immediate threat. To series star Maya Trell Remedisky's Devi. Yeah. And like we said, she was supposed to be on Fresh Off the Boat, which was the spinoff from Blackish. It didn't happen. It was a backdoor pilot. Hmm, kind of like Green Arrow and the Canaries. Oh, oh Bla- uh, the, the Magic Motor in. That was, it didn't happen. Didn't it didn't happen. happen. So, but she's got a job. She's okay. She does have a job. And it's That's a Netflix show, so it's good. Exactly, exactly. Netflix is also in early development on a feature film. 40 acres, because that's a lot of land, um, which it's has the uh, Luke Cage creator, Chow Hordery Cocker. 
Sure. Sure. Uh, and he's going to write this thing. 40 Acres follows a civil rights attorney who must fight for survival when he is invited to join an elite black organization with mind-blowing secrets. Ooh. Whoa. Uh, it's, the thriller is described as a crossover between The Firm and Get Out. It sounds like that. Yeah. It sounds like come join our law firm. Come do it. Come play with us, Dustin. Come play with us. I will. I'll Uh, do it. I'll do it. Ooh, this one we kind of like, you know, I'm I'm agreeing with them, but I don't know. It might be Chadwick Boseman. It might be uh, John David Washington and Zendaya. We don't know. But you guys know they've been pumping out like huge films, right? They have. Well, the industry experts... Are we? We're one. We're some well, of those. I feel like we're industry I feel like experts. We're, I, I mean, like we so, predict shit. That's right. We predict it better than the industry experts. Look, exactly. You called it. Like, like yeah. uh, Go back and listen to anything we call months before it happens. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> we're saying along with these experts that Netflix could make Oscars history. They could. Right? The streamers' arsenal of content this year, which I just told you a few of them. Yes. Um, it's it's going to give them the best chance at the most best picture nominations. In studio history. Yeah. And if that's the case, they would take down a record that's currently held by MGM, which scored five nods in the ninth. The ninth. (laughs) We're on the 70th something, right? Yeah. The ninth Academy Awards back in 1937. (laughs) My mom wasn't even born then. No. I mean, I'm just saying, that's how long this record is held. Yeah. Good for you, MGM. Yeah. Um, And it may even net the streaming giant its first best picture win after it failed to get it with the Irishman and Roma. I still haven't finished watching Roma. Yeah. I just can't. I can't I just can't. I didn't even start. Uh, But yeah, they have really been releasing a lot of like story-driven mm-hmm. films recently. So, I mean, Devil All the Time, that one was Woo! fucking crazy. Yes. Very story-driven with the narrator. Like, all that was so damn good. So, yeah, I could see this. Uh, I me too. I could really see this me too. i'm excited for him i mean it's definitely changing history it is um this one by no surprise after last week's snl hosting dave chappelle did talk about how the chappelle show was everywhere and he wasn't getting paid for it yeah he was not happy <laughs> no he was not and fucking he has leveraged his relationship with netflix to get the chappelle show removed from the streamer uh the video from the recent stand-up set the comedian who has made several specials for netflix and has gotten paid well reasonably for them uh has spoke to executives there and everybody agreed that they're gonna pull the Chappelle show from netflix and it was only on there for a month but but it is also on uh cbs all access and hbo max so you can go watch it there as well but Man needs to get paid for his shit. Yeah. So I, I do mean, not blame him. No, because Viacom CBS was getting paid for the Netflix airings of it, but he wasn't. But he wasn't. Like, and he's still not getting paid from the Viacom CBS airings of it. Exactly. So, and probably not the HBO Max. So good for Netflix for saying, hey, we're not going to pay Viacom CBS for a show that you created, you started, and you should be getting paid for. So kudos, Ted Sarandos. Nice move. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Amazon, heading over to Amazon. Uh, young actor Lucian River Cahan is set to play opposite as Riz Mahad and Octavia Spencer in Amazon Studios' sci-fi thriller Invasion. Ooh. Ooh. 
Oh, she's been doing a lot of dramatic thriller shit. It's really exciting. Uh, The film follows two young brothers who go on the run with their father, who is a decorated Marine. Mm. Uh, Hoo-wah! Hoo-wah! Who is trying to protect them from an unhuman threat. Oh, shit. Oh. Uh, As the journey takes them... Right? Exactly. (laughs) In an increasingly dangerous and unexpected direction, the boys will need to confront hard truths and leave their childhood behind oh damn are we sure this isn't the new predator we were I talking know, about right? it like, sure sounds like it a marine it, only he's bringing his kids this time he's fighting an alien you know that, it'll yeah, work though because those i mean they've been doing well so exactly you know. and i mean amazon has been doing fucking amazing shit so yes it makes sense it makes sense yes uh amazon studios has also set an end date for its popular sci-fi drama the expanse mm. uh the so they're expanding it. they're expanding it <laughs> by stopping dad joke um, <laughs> the series has received an early renewal for season six which will be its last uh season six renewal comes three weeks before the december 16th season five uh debut on prime video mm. Uh, not returning for the final season is original cast member Cas Anavar, um, during who faces a slew of sexual misconduct allegations during the yeah. summer. The rest of the cast, led by uh, Stephen Strait uh, and longtime Expanse showrunner Nareen Shankar, uh, will be back though. Yes. So I mean, they gotta do what they gotta do. They're not, they do. Yeah. I mean, you got to, you got to do it. Got to do it. But I, I mean, you got to ditch. I mean, if you got any of those problems, you got to yeah, do it. Yeah, you just. Um, it is what it is. Man. You know, and we don't have any real Apple news, but I would just like to say thank you, Apple. Again, I said this on uh, Halloween, and I'm going to say it again. Thank you for allowing me to watch a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. And guys. I'm looking forward to watching a Charlie Brown Christmas. On Christmas. Yes. Frosty the Snowman's airing fucking this weekend. It's not even December. Not even December. But thank you, Apple, for allowing me to watch my holidays on the holidays. It's just, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's super exciting, guys. Super exciting. Great streaming service, by the way, if you haven't checked it yes, out. It's like, it. what? Like five bucks? Four yeah, bucks? Yeah, man. Right. And you can bundle there. We've got our uh, CBS All Access and Showtime and all that through Apple. It's a bundle that shit. Bundle Yes. Yeah. Do it. Do it. And now it is time for the guest segment, guys. We yes. got the one and only Luke Tenney coming on the show to talk about anything and everything this man has been in. Deadly Clash, Shock and All. This guy yes. has been in a lot of fucking shit, man. He really has. And he tells a great story about how Rob Reiner cast him in Shock and Awe. And we should say our buddy Jeremy Gordon. Was yeah. the casting director on that, so was played a part in that, so that's awesome. Yes. And he tells a great embarrassing story, too. Yes. So, <laughs> those Can't are always fun. Yes. Yeah, so good. Yeah. So good. Oh, my goodness, guys. you got to love this one. Well, here he is. Luke Tenney, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you today, man? I am blessed. It's nice to be able to talk with you guys. Uh, How y'all doing? Man, we are doing good. We are doing good. Super yeah. stoked to have you on the show, man. Uh, we always like to talk to to people who are you know up and comers and and are just kicking ass out in the industry and doing it all right, man. So we're super pumped to talk to you, dude. Well, I'm pumped to be here. Thank you, guys. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, what we like to do to start it off is kind of do a little introduction to the listeners who may not be familiar with who you are or 
or you know uh, what you've been in. So um, let's talk about how you got started, dude. We're always curious. Was like acting something you knew at a really early age that you wanted to do, or did you kind of fall into it, or how'd you get into the industry, dude? Uh, it's kind of both because I've always been some sort of goof, you know. Just, <laughs> I don't know, trying to make people laugh, or I don't know, just doing goofy stuff, making little funny dances and stuff with my family or whatnot. But I was I was an athlete to start. I played baseball when I was real young and then transitioned into football, really took it very, very seriously. And that was what I thought was going to get me into college to do, mm. I don't know, something, you know, if right. I could just get some basic degree to do some basic job, so long as football made the paycheck on that a little bit easier, right. I was trying to do it. Hell yeah. But my senior year in high school, we got knocked out of the playoffs. I competed in a thespian competition where mm. I did a monologue, and I had some people there who challenged me and told me, hey, I think you can really do this, man. So I was like, okay. Well, I, I took their uh, positive critiques to heart and gave it my best shot. I went to a college the following year that was a performing arts school, and that's when I was like, yeah, this isn't this isn't a hobby anymore. I'm, I'm trying to do this for my job. So it was that transition from senior year to college where I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Hell yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Sometimes you just need that little extra push too, especially from your peers like that are also going through the grind with you just to, yeah, man, you got this, you got this. But um, yeah. was it like, did you go into it as a theater actor first or were you always trying to be on screen? Well, when I had first gotten to college, I was shocked to find that we were doing theater work because I didn't know anything about acting. I'd taken like acting as an elective, but not seriously. Yeah, right. Um, so when I got to college and it was all acting, I didn't get that we weren't using cameras. Mm -hmm. I was like, but that's like what acting is. Right. And they're like, nah, we're learning Shakespeare, the Greeks. We're going to Ibsen, Chekhov. Oh, I was like, what are these names? What's going on? Chekhov. Wait, Star Trek, right? I know Chekhov. Like. <laughs> yeah, it sounds almost like something I thought I knew. That's I right. no idea. So I'm, they're studying Othello and The Tempest and Oedipus Rex and A Dollhouse. I had no idea. So I get like a crash course in theater history when I finally learned like the origins of acting because – before we had a camera, it was just stage. Oh, yeah, camera's man. fairly new compared to oral traditions of storytelling that date back to, I don't know, where everybody's name ended with E's, Sophocles, and <laughs> Aristophanes, all, <laughs> all of them, all of them. You know, so it was just, it was fascinating to me. And that's when I learned that I had a true heart for theater because I loved it. It's like, I refer to it as like the ballet of acting. It's your base sauce. It's mm. what the thing actually is. Yeah, exactly. You strip everything down. You have people trying to discover truth in character. And so I fell in love with theater. But after I learned the basics, I knew that theater was how I could improve as an actor, mm -hmm. but still was trying to get on TV and do movies. Because <laughs> you want to get paid. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, not, there's not much money in theater. No, um, that's true. I, I'm not going to be able to have a family and, and feed them just off of theater. So I still wanted to be able to, you know, perform at a, at a high level with the greats that I grew up watching. That's absolutely right. And then, you know, when you when you get fortunate enough and lucky enough to be able to do that, you can always go back to theater. That's when you can go and do the plays that you, you might not get paid for, but you can, you know, enjoy the craft and still do what you do absolutely. and learn. So um, what was the transition like, man? So, you you know, you, you're hardcore into theater and you're learning and you're, and you're gaining all this stuff. And then there are cameras. And all of a sudden now, you, you know, you don't have to scream to the back row. You don't have to be so large 
<laughs> the camera's right there in your face, right? So now it's like basically you're starting all over. You got to learn again. How do I perform for the camera instead of stage, right? You know, you pretty much covered it. That's that was pretty much my experience because I'm I'm a bigger guy. I'm six three. You know, I'm I'm not small. Right. I, I'm loud. I don't have like a deep voice or anything. I have a very loud voice. I can be kind of obnoxious sometimes. <laughs> so when I finally transitioned to the film course. My teacher would say one thing to me, and it wasn't even a word. He would just say, Luke, shh. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I'm right here. You have a microphone on your shirt. Shh. You got it. We can hear you. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so the, entire, the entirety of um, all the character work and the uh, picking the difference between me and my character and how they walk physically and how he sounds and maybe there's a dialect or Maybe he breathes differently. All that stuff is still there. I just need to make sure that I'm only using what's necessary for the camera. Right. So if my arms and legs are out of frame, I don't need to be uh, grounded in reality the same way I need to in theater when the audience members can look at whatever they want while I'm performing. Mm. They can pick which part of me is compelling. On film, you're told which part is compelling. So I needed to learn to focus in, dial it back a little bit to perform as if the audience is right there because they are you know a camera is a teleporting audience you know so absolutely I had to learn a lot of techniques to just kind of dial it back i love that though because even the smallest over exaggeration say on your face it comes across huge on the screen you know so That's where you might have had to put that huge emphasis on a smile or a, a grimace on stage now you got to dial that shit way back you know yeah, hundred percent true. It's exactly. uh, it's the same thing, just two different mediums. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean you brought up an interesting point as well. Like when you approach a character, you guys are kind of walking side by side, your real self and the character. So you're always trying to figure out what instances in your life can you bring to the character. But have you ever approached a role where you can't relate to the character at all? And if so, how do you attack that? Like is it something that's more difficult or how does that happen? You know, uh, again, great question. And I, I love that imagery you have of walking side by by side. Right. Because that is, that's kind of what I do on paper, depending on which character I'm playing, because I'll line myself up, my qualities, or at least what I think about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll line up the qualities of what I think about the character and I can see what's alike and different. So I literally can see um, me and the character side by side. But generally the challenge for me comes when the character is like too close to me mm-hmm. or like 180 from me. Right. It's, it's that, that weird dichotomy where it's like, if I got to play me, who's just disrespectful, it's like, I can do that. That's easy. Right. But if I got to play a guy who's like actually pretty much just me, I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Hell yeah. Oh, so that's so it, it just depends. So, so yeah, so, I mean, because you hear so many people that like this method acting and they just dive wholeheartedly into yeah. this role and just become consumed with it. And I, I've always kind of like wondered like the intensity and the, the mental, you know, mindset that you have to have to be able to dive into something that deep. Because, I mean, especially if the subject matter is dark, right? You've got to have that separation, I, I feel like, you know, otherwise you're just going to go crazy, man. A hundred percent. And even more to that point, I think someone who's at my level and people don't really talk about this but you know if i'm jake gyllenhaal if i'm daniel day lewis if i'm denzel washington 
I could do method acting because the film isn't just the character. Right. It's me as the character. Right. Nobody's coming to watch the movie because the concept's cool. It's because you got a dope name on front of it. And that's right. not a bad thing. That's awesome. That means that those people are bringing in people to watch their stories because they have a trusted resume. People trust them in being good or compelling or interesting or entertaining. Now, someone like me, it's not my job to show up on set and be completely arrogant with my process like I'm the only one that matters. Mm -hmm. I'm not Denzel Washington. (laughs) I can't do that. You know, I have a couple of lines today, a couple of lines tomorrow. I'm not going to show up and debate with the director on what I think the character would say. (laughs) No, it's, it's not time for that. So what I do uh, in the types of roles that I'm given is I stay in my lane and I attempt to challenge myself at the same time. Mm. So I understand the story. I understand my character's role in that. And I try to push it to where I'm either finding truth or pushing truth. But if the director says, oh, you got to stand over here, then that's where I'm going. It's just what I've come to learn. And until I get to that point where it's my name that's bringing people into the theater – whether it be the stage theater or the movie theater, then I don't need to worry about obsessively delving into the character to a point where I might disrupt the flow of work on set or on in the rehearsal process. I just don't have that name yet. So that's kind of how I see it. Until right. I get there, I ain't worried about it. And I feel like that that's such the right approach and not a lot of people go at it with that approach because you'll get that name if you use the opportunity when you're on set and in the type roles that you're getting now to learn everything you can learn about being on that set and all of the different things that you can take from the other actors, the directors, the you know, the UPMs. Any I feel like any opportunity to gain any knowledge and and continue the growth in your own career is worth it, right? I agree. That's that's very well put. You know, right now, as I'm, you know, you guys put it so well up and coming. I agree. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to continually press and make a name for myself in the industry as someone they can trust. Eventually, maybe someone will hire me to do something bold where I can carry the script. Like to this day, I haven't been a lead in a film or even a play. When someone asks me to do that, they're asking more of me, which is when I will understand I have more leeway. Mm. It's more about what I'm bringing into the room or what I feel about the character. If someone's got me as more of a peripheral character, I need to make sure that I don't interfere with the time between the people who are carrying the script and the director. That's what's most important for the story. So I stay in my lane as the support beam or I don't know. I'm like some cilantro on the taco. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like it's all like a a trust process. Like you're gaining your trust with the entertainment industry. Like Dustin was saying, like you have to pay your dues basically so they can learn to trust you to see what you're capable of to bring to a character. And if they feel like they find this epic ass role that they feel like you're the right person for, then there's already that established trust to bring you in and just kick ass in a badass role. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And for now, it's not like I do less work. Right. I only do a different kind of work. Exactly. The majority of my work is on memorizing my lines, making sure I come to set with all the words of the character memorized. I also make sure that I prepare intention. I I prepare my opinion my point of view, my moment before, my moment after, that kind of stuff. And I really make sure I can I can settle into that. So when they say action, it doesn't just look like Luke. 
it looks like that guy, whoever right. he may be. Love that. Love that. And, you, you know, I feel like probably the most difficult thing as a creative, as a performer, is to remember that it's also a business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, we, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis or Denzel Washington, when you get to that point where they know that that name is going to generate, you know, plus at the box office, right, a certain mm-hmm. number at the box office, you know, you have to establish yourself. And I, I And I feel like you know, it benefits both the studio and the actor to know that they're at that point where they can trust that that's going to be the case. Because you put somebody in there that's not ready to carry a film, it's not going to make money. It's going to hurt the studio and the actor, not just the mm-hmm. studio, I feel like. So I love your approach that you take and, and how you are in your lane. And I love the terminology in your lane. I think I think that's fantastic. But I got to tell you, it's clear the talent is there because if you don't have talent, you don't get cast in a Rob Reiner film, dude. I'm just, I'm just, gonna, yeah. just gonna, you. just Thank gonna you. put that <laughs> out there, man. Because Rob Reiner is one of you know the established and probably the most prolific you know directors of our time, our generation for sure. And the man knows talent. You look at his resume, you know he knows talent. So yeah. you got in that film. So yeah, I, I feel like while you're doing your lane and you're doing your thing. You also are oozing talent, and it's being recognized. So thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I really think that that was probably uh, the most encouraging situation I I had experienced in my life, because not not just because he cast me, because um, that was awesome, of course. But I was more <laughs> like a giddy schoolchild than just like, oh yeah, you know, uh, that's right. I'm I'm good enough to earn that. I was just through the moon. But what what came later on was I was at dinner with Rob and my father came to visit me on set. And my dad just asked him, he was like, so uh, I got to ask you, why would you cast my son? Like, what did oh, you saw? Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. Dad, right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. And then, <laughs> yeah. And Rob just looked at him and said, you know, I had no idea that this was his first audition. I had no idea that he just graduated college. I didn't know. I just watched his work and went, yeah, that's the guy for the job. Mm. And that was, that to me was so encouraging because a lot of artists and creatives kind of get obsessed with that, this idea of destiny. Mm. And like, I miss one thing and a better thing is coming along. Unfortunately, sometimes it's not. Sometimes life's just dark. Sometimes you just get beat out for that role because the guy was better than you. Right. And what can you do? You can go back, you can train, you can try to improve. You can also recognize that you might be called on for the specific talents that you have that no one else does. But in that instance, I was very encouraged because this dude didn't say, let me do this kid a favor. Rob said, ah, that's the guy. Right. That was enough for me. Exactly. And I mean, we talk about that all the time on the podcast, that this is an industry built on rejection. There's literally like 90% auditioning and 10% actually being on set and acting. And just to be on set with such an amazing cast, like I can imagine like the lessons you learned on that set were just completely invaluable. Absolutely. Yes, they were. And as you mentioned that, I'm pulling out my audition log right now. Oh, shit. (laughs) And we should say. That number is, what is it? It's 215. I've been on 215 auditions. Wow. Maybe six roles. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's 90% auditioning and 10% work. See, right there. <laughs> Boom, reality, right there. And we should say for anybody who's not familiar, Shock and Awe is, is the name of the film. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, it goes back to what you had said about how you come in and you want people to see the character and not Luke, right? And I feel like mm-hmm. so when you get that validation from Reiner saying, I had no idea this was his first audition or that he had just graduated, that that's kind of like the cementing or that, that, that validation of, hey, he didn't see Luke. He saw this guy. And so that's got to be epic. Um. Was it difficult to – do you find it's difficult uh, to do storylines that are based on real-life events mm. uh, as opposed to – because uh, for anybody who doesn't know that the film is heavily involved in real-life events about you know invading and Saddam Hussein and weapons of mass destruction. Um, uh, do you find it more difficult to, to do those type films as opposed to strictly uh, fictional type character? Um, I, I think that generally the difficulty depends on uh, what we discussed earlier about earlier about the character and its distance from the performer. Mm-hmm. I think in this, in this particular case, I learned that my character, Adam was not an actual person that I was playing. It was based off of an actual person that go. they had done research on. So that gave me a bit of wiggle room there to just kind of find what I felt the words meant mm-hmm. and who I thought Adam was. But on average, I think that, from what I've learned through some of my theater training, I think that generally if you have a reference there, it can take a lot of weight off of your shoulders. Mm-hmm. So if you have like maybe video reference or audio reference and you know what that voice sounds like, you know, whether or not you sound like that, mm-hmm. but re or completely reimagining the words from the writer of a character who has not existed until you spoke the writer's words, that means there's a lot more option to choose from, which can create a little bit more of a difficulty, at least from my perspective. Mm. So if I have a reference, I know, well, I either sound like that guy or I don't, I'm either walking like him or I'm not. But when I, it's just me, then I have to, I have to do a lot more process of elimination and not that it's um, more difficult work, but it's more work. Cause I have to cross I have to find out how many ways not to screw in the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love his analogies. Every, I, I just everything you say is like perfect because I feel like a, a ton of our listeners are l- l- up and comers or trying to get into the industry, not quite there yet. And I just feel like this realism that you're delivering about the industry and your approach and how to do it is just going to be a huge inspiration and huge for them to to follow the right paths, man. Um. So okay, you. you've had success in in film, and we let, let's talk about TV because you were on a hit series, um, mm-hmm. and and so the 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 film and television side of it, the industry is clearly changing. It's clearly making an emphasis towards streamers. Um, in in fact, we talk about this all the time in our industry news segment. Perhaps the decay and death of cinema. Um, where, where it all does seem to kind of be going in one direction. How do you feel about that? Being on both sides, you've had successful on, on television and in film. Um, as an actor, as a performer, how do you feel about the, the transition in the industry and where it seems to be headed? I think I could just be wrong, like, and which I don't mind being wrong. You know, I'm 25. People always go, ah, oh, you're so young. You tell me I'm wrong. I'm used to it now. I could be wrong. But, you know, in 2019, we had the biggest movie of all time with Avengers Endgame. Yes. It just beat everything. So I don't think that it's going anywhere. I don't think film is going anywhere. I think that it's morphing. I think that a lot of, like, I saw this one 
lovely, lovely film called Hearts Beat Loud mm. with Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens. And it was just a, this lovely, sweet film. And I saw it at this small, um, it was like a like an independent film kind of theater. Right. And I watched that movie and I felt so warm. And in the same year, I saw Endgame. And I was like, well, Endgame is kind of edging out films like Hearts Beat Loud. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that there's no place for them. Because, you know, Nick Offerman, he Parks and Recreation, Kiersey Clemens, she was in the DCEU, she was in Neighbors. And I look at that and I go, it, it, it's not like it's just evaporating. So I don't think that it's going to go away completely or that it's even going away at all. I just think that the things people will shell out the 1450 to go see a movie for is changing. Right. And then everything ends up on streaming anyway. So it's like if you miss it in the theaters, it's still going to be streaming. So the way I see it, we still have both, but it looks like the majority of the population is just going to be watching from home, especially until we figure out what's going on with this virus. Right. We're going to be watching from home for a while. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Completely agreed, man. Completely agreed. Yeah, we talk about it all the time, thinking about taking away the multiplexes and then coming back to just like, you know, the one screen theaters where people just go see possibly tentpole movies and or indie films, like maybe different days for different types of films. So I feel like that Mm -hmm. would be great. Just trying to figure it out because like we've talked about before, the entertainment industry is an ever-evolving industry like this thing does not sleep it does not stop something new is going to break tomorrow that was different from today so i mean i feel like we just got to roll with the punches yeah i remember movie pass exactly we were members bro we were members man i saw like 25 films that's it (laughs) (laughs) like racking up money's worth every day me too oh dude that's so funny all right so 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 yeah let's let's switch it up a little bit let's have a little fun now you have seen success on both sides You've been in movies, you've been in theater, you've been in television and everything. So we're just going to throw this out there because we want to know, what is the most embarrassing moment you have ever had on set or during uh, during filming, either TV, you know, uh, movie, or even on stage? What, what would you say is your most embarrassing moment, dude? Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure – does it count if other people don't know? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> whatever okay, story then, you want to tell bro okay then i got it so i was in this awesome stage play called exit strategy before i left to go shoot the pilot of deadly class which was the tv show that i was on right and um we were scrambling trying to figure out like if we could make the last couple of performances before i left for vancouver and then we were like, ah, it looks like we're just going to have to cut the run short, you know, one weekend short. And they were like, well, look, man, congratulations on booking the gig. And, you know, sometimes it's just one job to the next. So off you go. Let us know how it goes. Thanks for being a part of the show. So I'm feeling good and everything. And I really love this play and I mm-hmm. love this camp. Every night before I perform, I go through my my actions. I go through my words. I just make sure I'm in that character. His name was Donnie. He was an 18-year-old high schooler. And I go in and I have this really smart mouth speech that I have to give with like a bunch of F bombs. And he's he's just a firecracker of a kid. Right. And man, the, the actor who I was working across with, he's so good. He he actually taught me in in college. His name is Adam. And I just went up. I completely forgot my lines. I just (laughs) looked him in the face. And the, the part that I forgot was like, he can't move forward unless I finish my line. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> so he started, like, he started trying to help me out, like, trying to 
rustle some papers. Like, just, he was just trying to do some action until I figured out what in the world was going on. I started improvising, just trying to figure out how to get back on track. And I finally got there, and he looked at me, and he was like, that's it. Don't you lose it. Like, you stay right there. You just text me the whole time. I finally finished the scene. I walk off stage, and at the time, she was my new girlfriend. But I, I, she was in the play as well, and I looked at her, and she just was like, oh. <laughs> she came, kind of patted me on the head, was like, good job you made through that one, man. Like, oh, it was just rough. But then, like, at the end of the show, no one knew because they were all focused on my partner. Right. He just made it. He made it so natural. He made it seem as though my character was really just trying to figure out how to give it to him. And it made him uncomfortable. He just took all the attention away from me. I thank Adam Silver so much to this day. That was <laughs> my butt on that stage. Oh, Ooh, amazing. Man, love that because, yeah, I think everybody, you know, for anybody trying to, you know, get into it and everything, theater, there ain't no cut. No. <laughs> you know, like you forgot there. your line. There, it ain't no, no cut. Pickups, yeah, you got it. <laughs> you got to keep going, out. man. So, uh, oh. it out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The importance of having great actors acting apart from you. Absolutely. Like, that's so good. Oof. It's so good, yeah. man. And something else we're trying on the interview process of the podcast. What shows are you watching right now in quarantine? Oof. Um, I, I'm more of a film guy, but mm-hmm. I just recently started trying to get into television. Um, I watch a lot of anime. The stories, I think, are extremely grand Fantastic. so anything from the new ones my hero academia yes I watch yes Fire Force. i watch um i just watched a great one called promise neverland which is on netflix mm. i totally recommend it those are great as far as television i'm in the middle of the season two of the boys right now yes um, good stuff which is amazing i'm just got the last episode to go. Uh, what else have I watched? Um, and either my lady th- just watched Bly Manor, and I hate scary stuff. <laughs> You're like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, Even film, man. What what films would you recommend people to watch right now? Oof! I just became recently obsessed. Funnily enough, you know, I hate being scared. But there's <laughs> this one genre I'm obsessed with, and it's called cosmic horror. Oh, and it just drives me insane i just have to, it, it just what it does to my mind i love it so <laughs> the idea behind cosmic horror is it's the study of the fear of the unknown mm. that which you cannot comprehend or understand so it's also called lovecraftian horror because hp lovecraft yep. created a literary genre where he was like i'm gonna write about monsters that makes your brain explode <laughs> shit <laughs> so the movies that I, I studied in this genre were Event Horizon, which mm-hmm. I thought was stellar. Mm-hmm. My favorite cosmic horror film to date, In the Mouth of Madness. Mm-hmm. So good. And I also checked out a couple of newer ones called The Void, which scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and this past Nicolas Cage film called Color Out of Space. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much like five of all the cosmic horror films there are. Because there aren't many. <laughs> and I kind of just watch as many as I could because the genre just, oh, man, it racks my brain. That's awesome, though. You're A1 since day one, Mo. Like, you're right there. <laughs> yeah, try it. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I just love the passion, man. You can tell yeah. when you're talking about your own projects or your own, you know, craft, or whether you're talking about something that you're watching that you're so passionate about being involved in, and even just watching it, it just oozes through, man. Which I think is so important in this industry because me- your mental game, a strong mental game, having a positive attitude and passion for what you do, man, it's so necessary in this industry. I agree. It does make a difference. And if I'm being honest, like I do think that my training and stuff comes into uh, you know I have to use it a lot and so much but more often than not I get cast because I go into the room and people just they dig the fact that I'm respectful I say yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am they dig the fact that I generally am glad to be auditioning like Mm. I like being there um you know it's that kind of thing the stuff that requires no talent you know you can be happy to have your job that's it you can be happy to be able to say uh, words of a character today. You get to act today. Be be freaking happy about that. That's Hell amazing. yeah! I think that's that's something that helped me out too, and I got a lot of help with that through just a great bunch of friends that I got, and all of us just really love this thing called acting. I, I love that, man. It, yeah, it's nice to hear a young person recognize that sometimes it's just important to be a good person. Right. You know, set everything else aside and just remember if you're a good person, good things will happen. It's so nice mm-hmm. to hear, man. So nice to yeah, hear. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Of course, of course. Well, what we like to do at the end of each interview is have our guests leave a little piece of advice for all the other up-and-comers that are trying to break into the industry. And what pitfalls do you say would try to avoid? Pitfalls to avoid. Hmm. I say right now, particularly, just excuses. Because mm-hmm. now is not the time to, like with all this pandemic stuff, now is not the time to act like we're the exception. Mm-hmm. To go, yeah. mm, I shouldn't take a break. I should be creating all this time because I'm an artist and that's what I need to do. Don't do none of that. But what you also don't need to do is just keep blaming everything on everything else. I spend a couple minutes on that script, write that song, hit your boy up and say, yo, do you have that camera? I'd like to shoot a scene and pay him too. send him a $10 Venmo and get him some donuts. Hell yeah. <laughs> you love work for free. That's ridiculous. Exactly. But, the idea that we can just kind of go, well, you know, life happens. Yeah, it does. That's the point. But what are we going to do while it's happening? Are we going to let it happen to us? Or are we going to make stuff happen? So try to edge out those excuses and be loving and kind to ourselves at the same time. I think balance is very important. So mm. that's what I'd say. Try to edge out them excuses and just focus on excellence. Ooh. That's a t-shirt. Yeah, like. <laughs> uh, without doubt. Like I said, man, just everything. He, I, I just love every analogy and every statement that you've made right. the entire time, dude. Very inspiring for uh, everybody, all of our listeners for sure. Inspires us, I know for sure. I've got goosebumps. Uh, yeah, dude. I just love the approach, <laughs> man. Really, really love the approach. And listen, dude, for, I guess, first of all, before we, before we wrap this up completely, tell everybody where they can find you because we want to make sure they're following you everywhere they can follow you. Oh, thank you. So uh, my name is Luke Tenney. Find me on Instagram, Twitter. I think that's yeah, that's it. Or IMDb. Uh, you can't follow me on that, but you can see the stuff I've done. That's it. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So 
Thank you. <laughs> of course, man. It's all about social media. We know. We know. It's all about that promotion. Yeah, you know. <laughs> followers up. All of that. <laughs> That's it, man. Listen, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today, dude. We really appreciate you taking the time to do it. And I uh, have no doubt the listeners are going to love this one. And we've had a good time. And open invite, dude. Anytime you want to come back and chat and just, you know, shoot the shit or you got a new project to promote or just whatever, dude. Open invite, man. You're always welcome. Thank you so much for that, you guys. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll probably take you guys up on that. I really enjoyed this as well. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Absolutely. Have a good one now. You too. Take right. care, y'all. You Thank too. You, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. So good. So yeah. good. Being a young up-and-comer and still like having that peace of mind that you just keep going no matter what. No matter how long you focus on something. Like If you think you're not doing enough, just that five minutes makes a whole of a hell of a lot difference than not doing it at all. Hell yes. Hell yes. And I just I, – I, you know – I, like I just said to him, and, and you're a shining example of it yourself, but it's so nice to see young people who understand the importance of being good people, building relationships, and having a passion for what you do. I think, you know, young people his age and your age get the knock so often these days, you know, and, and, and it's just not the case. We see it week in and week out of people who are young passionate and getting it done and doing it right and so uh, you know always a pleasure to have people like that on the show agreed man agreed the up-and-comers are really gonna love this one because they're gonna learn a lot they really are absolutely thank you again luke for coming on the show all right now it is time for the top five segment guys Mm. we teased it at the top of the show it is very different. Yes. It's very yes. different. Got a little bit out of the entertainment realm of things that we normally do, which is good. I like when we do that. I will say one of mine, though, it was very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. of course, you guys know that it was brought to you by our podcast producer. Jason has just been rocking and rolling with yes. this thing, making things amazing. Dude, he texted me the other day, told me he's got these top fives planned out to fucking June. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> like, that's he's just crazy. like, boom, man. Like, it's insane. And of course, you guys know that we do not like to repeat we definitely do not like to repeat our yes. things. Sometimes we do, maybe one. We try not to do more than one if need be. So, of course, um, he lived through a lot of my shit. So he didn't want to repeat he all He did not my live through some <laughs> of my not. stuff because I'm older. Yes. So this is, remember, the, the category is historic events in our lifetime. lifetime. I, I'm twice his lifetimes. <laughs> so, yes, the stuff on his list matters to me yes it's significant i'm all in okay (laughs) but we didn't want to repeat and i got there first right and he got there first (laughs) so i went a little old school but i think you'll enjoy my list anyway yes all right yes Um, now we just had to preface that we just had to say of course don't come at us don't do Uh, it uh, we're we're for everybody (laughs) Uh, um, my number five was really the first big historical event that i could ever remember honestly i was five years old and was in first grade for the first time not the second time uh, but for the first time (laughs) and uh it was 9-11 it really was everybody like my school got shut down my mom tried to come get me and they wouldn't let her fucking get me out of school because they didn't know what was happening they didn't know who was going to get attacked next and then i also remember going home and trying to like you know peek into the living room and watch the news with her and she's like no 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 go back you don't want to watch this so 9-11 that was it was a crazy historical event that just impacted the u.s in such a crazy way yeah obviously um 
now you'll know the difference in our lists because he was in first grade. I was already married and my kid was already born. Yeah, right. Like, woo! But yeah, Yeah. dude, I mean, I remember that day because, um, you know, uh, Emily's cousin, my nephew at the time, was in a horrible uh, motorcycle accident. Mm. And we were on our way rushing to uh, South Mississippi because we were living up north uh, to the hospital because they didn't think he was going to make it. And we're like literally waiting in the waiting room to find out whether he's going to live or not. And the fucking shit hits the towers mm. and, like, 9-11 happens. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, this, I mean, the worst attack, I mean, nobody thought they could cross oceans. No. Remember, everybody thought we were safe after World War II because nobody can cross oceans. But yeah. not the case. Pearl yeah. Harbor proved that. And, mm. Yeah, it, it was definitely crazy, man. Definitely crazy. It was. It's really weird for me now to, like, work with and be in contact with kids who were not alive right for that like they're right. just they're just reading it in history books and shit i'm like what the fuck right like, i understand i was young but damn well there's a couple on my list that i can say that about yeah, you yeah 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 you're right you're right <laughs> i can't believe he wasn't even alive um like this next one uh <laughs> but this one was important for you though yes it was. my number five and i don't think a lot of people realize that it was only this short a time ago i think a lot of people thought this happened much earlier but it didn't um the 26th amendment guys giving 18 year olds the right to vote Mm. that only happened uh 49 years ago 1971 damn so not even 18 year olds haven't been allowed to vote for very long was it 21 before that uh yes i believe that's correct yeah so um 18 yeah, so there it is, my, the 26th Amendment. That's hugely important because you huge. know how – I mean they were sending kids off to Vietnam, which is why I think this amendment happened around that time, 1971. Yeah. They were sending 18-year-olds off to Vietnam to die, but they couldn't vote. They couldn't vote against being sent <laughs> yeah, off right. you know, or against that war. And so I, I really do think that played a significant part in this amendment happening. Like if you can go die for your country, you should be able to fucking vote for your country. You know, so um, – but yeah, there it is. The 26th Amendment, 18-year-olds, the right to vote. I mean I watched a Watch Mojo video the other day and I didn't even realize how the draft system worked. I mean they were literally picking – random dates and random like months that you were born if you were born on this certain day like that's crazy to yeah. me that it was so like literal random like that's just i would yeah, be it was so literally terrified. like a lottery people so would terrified. sit around the television sit scared shitless that their number was going to be called yeah like their birthday was going to be called i can't even like imagine Oof, i couldn't either yeah man uh, yeah scary shit scary yeah shit. it is uh, number four for me is social media at the tip of your fingers starting with you know, the smartphones. Yes. It's fucking crazy how impactful social media in our hands has been to our generation and everybody that is alive right now. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, I didn't want to start with, like, MySpace, early Facebook, and AOL. Like, didn't want to start there because, like, I don't think social media really started to catch on until it was literally in the tip of your – I mean, it was in your hand. You right. could get on it anytime you wanted. And, I mean – I definitely think that it's bridged a gap for a lot of things, but it's also divided a lot of things. Agreed. So it's a very double-edged sword, and we talk about that all the time in our interview segments with our guests that come on the show. So it's a very good thing, but it's also a very bad thing. You just got to tread lightly with this one, man, very Absolutely. much so. I did have some people, though, on my MySpace page 
that are that are lifers, man. They're still with me in the new social media. Yeah, right. You know, shout out to Courtney. Love you, Courtney. <laughs> uh, like old time MySpace friends. You know, we're like, yeah, we met on MySpace. People are like, what the fuck is that? What like, the fuck? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Courtney knows. You know, Courtney. All right, <laughs> my number four. Uh, much like you with nine eleven in school. Uh, I was in school, and guys, this is the reason that they no longer show um, space launches on television. Mm. Uh, well, I guess SpaceX does now, but you got to watch it on NASA TV. Yeah. They used to show it on all the networks, on like live TV, and they used to show it, and this is the important part, in school, okay, like in elementary schools and everything. But my number four, 1986, the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded right after takeoff. Mm. Um Guys, they were. This was a huge thing because Krista McCullough was on it, and she was a school teacher. So every school across this country, kindergarten up to high school, all the classes were watching live, and watched that thing blow up. Mm. Now, I, I know what my classroom looked like, and I know how I. But I can't imagine teachers crying, like just, and then trying to explain to their kindergartners what just happened. Yeah. You know, um, this was a huge, huge deal. Almost ended the, the, the space shuttle program at that point. Um, you know, almost ended it all. So, um, it was terrifying. Yeah. It was terrifying to see for, you know, a civilian teacher up just, I mean, and watching it explode. It, I just, uh, and you know why these people died? This is the sad thing. I remember this so distinctly is that they took out ejectable seats yeah. to fit more payload to bring to the, the space station. So had they not tried to pack more equipment in there and they kept the ejectable seats, maybe. Obviously, we don't know. I mean, yeah. it blew up so quick you don't know, but there was no shot. Yeah. I mean, you, you can know. watch the Challenger documentary on uh, Netflix right now. You can. It's really good. And I'm watching the right stuff right now and yeah. about Apollo and, you know, and, and very much reminding me when they're sitting on this hydrogen bomb, basically, yeah, right. getting ready to launch, you know, a lot of deaths happen there, too, that they, you know, so. And then, of course, it happened again, um, you know, flying over uh, Texas, and yeah. you know, came in and just. So I think that's inevitably when the second one blew up on reentry. Uh, yeah. That's what ended the space shuttle program so. yeah it crazy but, times man uh, it crazy was times. it was difficult to watch and it, yeah stuck in my mind it's, living it's through a lot of shit um, i was you so, weren't alive for that uh, i was not no i it's was not. okay i remember it though uh i remember learning about it i should yes. say <laughs> i mean everybody knows i said it earlier uh number five was 9-11 so number three the assassination of bin laden mm. That was definitely we I got him. revenge, an eye for an eye. Like, I mean, he killed more than like 2,000, 3,000 people, and we got him. Yep. Fucking Barry walking down that hallway, he had a little strut to him. Like, yep. revenge, man, revenge. I mean, you can't – we're America. We're literally – we aspire to be the greatest country on earth and do right by people. But sometimes we get taken advantage of, and this is how we – repay you That's right for like that toby shit. keith said when you fuck with these stars and stripes we'll put a boot in your ass exactly you guarantee it guarantee exactly. it but yeah i remember watching that that was me, like me my too. first like because i never really i was young obviously i never really cared for politics before that and then i just started watching all of it and that picture that photo that's like everywhere you can still find it that iconic photo of barry and hillary and joe in the situation room watching it go down yeah. when they got it. I mean, it's such an iconic historic picture. It is. Um, man. Whoo. Yeah. 
Ooh. I know. <laughs> My number three, this is the one I was talking about, Whether call it whatever you want. I thought it was entertaining. I was glued to fucking Court TV. I got on Court TV. They used me on Court TV. I was so fucking excited. I love it. So, woo! Uh, um, I'm talking about, of course, the trial of the century. Yeah. That's what it was billed, and it probably still is. I'd still go for that. Trial of the century. I am, of course, talking about 1995, the O.J. Simpson murder trial. Yeah. Johnny Cochran, if the glove don't fit, you got to equip. Yeah. F. Lee Bailey, we learned from Barry Sheck more about fucking DNA evidence than we ever needed to know. Yeah. All you needed to know is that he did it. He did. But... If you guys aren't weren't alive, if you guys aren't familiar, if you haven't looked up the history, they tried to frame this motherfucker when he actually did it. I, I I'm I'm still baffled to this day that they tried to frame him and they had just taken his time, they would have got him anyway because he actually did allegedly. I know allegedly. he was I know he was acquitted. That motherfucker did it, okay? Come at me, OJ, okay? Right. But I'm just saying the blood vial. I don't know if you even remember this, but there there were there the cops, okay? They were walking, right? And there's this one photo and they have it and the blood vial is com- of OJ's blood that they had taken from him or like they do with all suspects in there. It's completely full. Mm. Then you see another picture with the same guy walking again and it's fucking half like Damn, you know what the fuck so that blood that appeared on the socks that blood that you know <laughs> we all know what happened but you didn't have to do it you didn't have to pour the blood on there the motherfucking did it <laughs> i was just saying. we went to the house we we saw the we house we did like, we did that was kind of a crazy moment and i just want to say I, all all taking the joking aside because ron goldman and nicole brown lost their lives brutally and tragically and so i no humor in that um, still tough to this day for their families. Um, so I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm making light of it, but um, not funny. I mean, no. it was a brutal, brutal murder. And, um, you know, I, I think time will tell, but I, I think justice will be served eventually. Yeah. Agreed, man. Agreed. Crazy times. It was, Crazy but we did go to the house. Time. It was kind of cool to pass the house. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, number two for me, it's a little bit of a combo because this was a great day, days of American history. First person of color voted in as president and first woman of color voted in as vice president. Kamala Harris and, of course, Barack Obama. Yes. Fucking making history, guys. Like, so diverse. And plus, on top of that, the female aspect. Like, we need more of this. We, we need do. More, so much more of this. So we do. It, it's a great thing. It's a great this thing. would have been on my list had we duplicated, but we're trying not to duplicate. Try not. I'm hoping, and I could be wrong, but I think, and please send comments if I'm wrong, but I think... If we can get lucky enough and we can get Pete, because I'm with Pete, yes. if we can get Pete on the cabinet, he might be the first openly gay cabinet member. That'd be epic. So I, I think, and please shoot me in the comments if I'm wrong, but I think that would be the case. So let's pull for Pete to get on the cabinet and we'll be making all kinds of fucking history, right? Oh, yeah, man. That'd be epic, honestly. Exactly. Start and 2020 off right. That's like, right, man. And if anybody deserves to be on the cabinet, it's Pete, because that motherfucker was out there everywhere getting that shit done for Joe and Kamala. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It deserves it. My number two, significant, significant. If you listen to our interview with the awesome Mark Valley, yeah. you, we talked all about this. He was actually there. He was there. He's a man. Yeah. I'm talking about, of course, 
Now I oh, went off corners. Oh, yeah. I don't know where the fuck <laughs> were we today with all this. I okay, know. my number two: <laughs> the fall of the Berlin Wall and the end of the Cold War in 1989. Yeah, Gorbachev and Reagan started it. Bush cleaned it up, but uh, I mean, significant piece of history seeing that wall come down. Yeah. and and unifying the two Germanys. Um, man, woo! I mean, guys. It, it, and now, unfortunately, the fucking Cold War seems to be back. But um, Yeah, right. But, you know, I mean, if you understand what that wall stood for during Nazi Germany and World War II and the significance of the separations, uh, uh, you know, then you understand how powerful it was when that wall came down. Um, so, yeah, and a piece of that Berlin Wall is at the Reagan Library that we saw. Yeah. We went and saw – um, and so um, just huge – Huge. Say whatever you want about politics, whatever you want about Reagan and, and whatever, but the end of communism, the end of, you know, the Cold War and the fall of the Berlin Wall, that was huge. Yeah. And it was him and Bush and Gorbachev. So, I mean, just saying. Crazy. Just saying. Crazy, man. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, one of my teachers, my algebra teachers, actually had like a little uh, glass case and had a little piece of the wall in it oh, because man. he was there. I was like, shit. I bet okay. Valley's got a piece. I bet he does. I bet he does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, man. Uh, number one. Right now, guys, we're living in it right now. COVID-19. Mm. Dude, Like this is – nobody has ever seen anything like this. I mean, your umpteenth years of living in my – Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! But in my, you know, beautiful life. Um, it's just crazy. <laughs> Nothing has ever been like this for – us, the United States, the world, anywhere. So, yeah. I mean, it's crazy how this virus has impacted us and, like, basically shut everything down, shut the world down. Um, but we're, we're slowly getting there. We're striving, uh, taking healthy precautions, just trying to do everything right, man. Yeah. And you know what really, like, the, the most amazing thing about this, and I'm betting what goes down in the history books if they even do history books anymore because right. it seems like they just skip over history History now. tablets. But if the most historical event about COVID is the fact that it was completely fucking avoidable. Yeah. It, that it should be in the history books. It was. That the amount of people that died and all of the shit that we are currently going through could have been avoided. Just want to say that. Yep. Just want to say that. Yep. My number one kind of combines like what you were talking about with Barry and Kamala and um and no disrespect calling him Barry. He likes to be called Barry. He does. So, okay. Um, but and the Weinstein's and all of the the movement that's going on and and of course what I said about Pete and and gay marriage because gay marriage was enacted in my yes. lifetime. You know, finally and, and all that. So I'm combining all of these into my kind of number one because I feel like these are all movements that kind of merge together and form this big push that we're seeing right now. Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement, and the LGBTQ uh, and equality and inclusive movement. I, I feel just like that is a huge chunk of history that's going on right now yes that i feel like is all positive it's all moving in the right direction are we getting some bad things out of it of course of course yeah. we are because everybody will try to take advantage for every good there's always somebody trying to do something stupid but i feel overall these movements have been a positive 
you know, thing have enlightened people, have started conversations, have got the country talking, and at least looking in the right direction. If not fully moving yet, they're at least looking in the right direction. Yes. So, um, yeah, that's my number one. Black Lives Matter, Me Too, LGBTQ. So good, man. So freaking good. And I mean, there's a lot of good stuff that has happened in your lifetime, in my lifetime, in his lifetime. There's so much shit. What do you think is the most historical events in your life? Mm. We want to know. Be sure to comment anywhere and everywhere on social media because we love the fan interaction. and We'll have a conversation with you. We love it. Absolutely. Tell us your story. Just Don't just say what the event was. Tell us why it's why? so memorable yeah. to you, why it stands out to you because we'd love to have the conversation like that. That'd be awesome. Definitely. Definitely. Now, it is time for the box office recap, guys, and theaters maybe near you. Yes. Uh, number one last week was Freaky with uh, $1.3 million. Number two was The War with Grandpa with $747,000. Bobby has been there a long time in COVID, man. I'm just saying. He has. He really has. Uh, number three was Let Him Go with 724 Hundred thousand and <laughs> yes, hey, you know, you know, yeah. Uh, come play came in at number four, and the Santa Claus came in at number five. Yes, so good yes. stuff, guys. I mean, I, all kidding aside, though, I am impressed how long the war with Grandpa has been in there. Right. I mean, I, I just feel like we've been talking about that for like. Eight months. At least. Yeah, right. <laughs> At least since COVID started I've, back in April. I feel like Bobby's been there. With, you know, it feels like it. It does. It really does. Uh, new movies that are coming out. The Crudes, A New Age. Yes. Uh, a Christmas Carol, Zappa, Malibu Road, and The Lost Adjuster. Zappa, that's another music documentary, man. Right. Like, uh, they're everywhere. They really are. Uh, movies you can still go see. Honest Thief, Vanguard. Tenant, uh, the last Vermer, and I don't. What the fuck is that? Uh, <laughs> Jabon, Fate, Stay Night, Heaven's Feel, Ill Spring, Good, Good Luck. I uh, what? Did, did it? Did, what? did Jason put Good Luck there because he thought you'd be reading That's what that? Was, I swear to God, he put that in there. It's like Good Luck, J Lo. Jukabon, Fate, Stay Night, Heaven's Feel, Ill Spring Song. Thanks, I don't even Jason. know. Like what? Is that like eighteen movies? Right. Like, what, like, I don't that's even all. Know. Like I don't even. That's a musical right there. That's a fucking musical. <laughs> like all right. Is it, it's filming in Queensland, Australia. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. Well, now it is time for the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. Everybody knows we love this app. They actually just got a new update that makes it so much easier cooler and easier to uh find which articles you want and yes. read the articles you want i think it's really awesome uh the top rated stories now are at the top you can flip through them or scroll through it's kind of like a magazine app now like oh. i mean as it should be so i love it i love it um shower with it all day uh <laughs> I took it in the bath with me the other day it was so relaxing i mean it was some... kind of weird he poured his gravy on yeah. it ate it with some rolls it was oh. like part of his thanksgiving oh. feast it's so good i just so you know good uh, the top trending movie this week is Megan is missing. Where'd she go? No, she isn't. She's with she's with Harry. Yeah, she's they're doing great. They're yeah. doing fine. They're at Netflix. Yeah, Megan is at Netflix. Exactly. She's fine. Exactly. Um, the top trending TV show is The Crown, mm. getting a lot of buzz. I mean, Ooh. finally. Um, and the top trending star is Anya Taylor Joy. Still, of course, uh, the Queen's Gambit. 
Yes. So makes sense. Did guys. you see where New Mutants is also in the number one trender on Rotten Tomatoes now? It's like surged everywhere. <laughs> it understand. has to be because of the Queen's Gambit. It has, it to. has to be. Like I, I just don't understand. That's <laughs> so so weird. Funny, guys. I saw that the other day. I was like, what the fuck? Why? I don't know. Oh man! But thank you guys for getting a little crazy with us on episode one forty of Inside yes. the Crazy Ant Farm. We got to thank our guests one more time, Luke Tenney, for coming on the show and giving that advice for the episode and comers yes. because we're all trying to break into it right now in this difficult time so your vote your words are so invaluable so appreciate it appreciate yes. it yes be sure to follow him on social media anywhere you can find him of course you can follow the company and the podcast on social media at crazy ant media and at it calf podcast and of course you can follow us personally on social media myself jlo fantastic and crazy ant guy 1970 yes <laughs> yes and of course you can subscribe to your podcast anywhere you listen to this podcast anchor apple Podcasts, spotify google play music iHeartRadio, podbean stitcher and so much more and of course if you are watching this video on youtube hi hi <laughs> uh be sure to hit that like button on the video subscribe to the channel and of course ring Boom. that bell so you can stay notified with the latest and greatest crazy videos yes. that we have still working out. on anita ward i promise we it's, are it's, she's it's gonna come coming. on she's gonna do it one time yep. she will ring that bell one time she will and of course you guys can visit our website www.crazyamedia.com like we said it is black friday 25 percent off everything that is available in our store right now that's a good deal yes. <laughs> uh, limited time uh while supplies last all that good shit check it out holiday merchandise is out now oh my goodness so much stuff is on there we got phone cases we got masks we got tumblers we got stickers we got coffee mugs we got all the stuff and pajamas and aprons if you're and a cook apron. we have yes. aprons like we have so much stuff. i could have used a bonk apron while i was cooking that feast yesterday i could have man see but i'm gonna have it ready for christmas exactly it's gonna be good it's exactly. Oh man, honestly, one of my favorite things that we talked about the in this episode was Dave Chappelle fucking standing up for his right of his show and was like, "Hey, we need to figure some shit out." So I love that he did that. And of course, Mandalorian, Mandalorian, man, yes. finally saw Ahsoka and finally learned Baby Yoda's name. Yes, Grogu. 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 Huh? He's <laughs> so adorable. Yes, and yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I agree. The Mandalorian and Starfire with Titans because yeah. total comic geeks and sci-fi geeks and, of course, all of that. Um, you know, one thing that stands out to me uh, was during the guest interview when Luke uh, said um, – because it's always – and like we kind of followed up with him talking about yourself and Emily and all that. When he said – just be a good person. Yeah. Like what some of his advice was like through all this shit, through all this stuff, when you're trying to break in the industry, you're trying to get an audition, go into it, say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Just be a good person and you'll be amazed at how far that will go. It just with all the stuff we talk about with COVID and all the stuff going on and all the kind of craziness, it's nice to hear somebody say, just be a good person. Exactly. So that really stood out for me too. That was a, that was a good part. I agree, man. So much good stuff in the episode. I mean, 
I love it. I love everything yes. we talk about. And like, and of course, you guys have noticed we are dropping the episodes a little bit later now. I mean, that it's, is correct. It's great. It's great. We have wide demographic, and we're trying to make it best for everybody all around the world. We have a huge UK following, and we have a huge Los Angeles following. We have a huge Atlanta following. So it's crazy trying to balance everything yeah. out. But yes, so be prepared. Dropping a little later, but still some great content. If it's going down in Hollywood, you guys know we are talking about it damn right we are and of hey, course you know what i just what? figured this out you know who could probably get us anita ward she's oh. probably friends you know she knows her probably. i'm just saying she could totally do it you know she could yeah oprah, oprah!